0: Yo, what's up, guys, gang? Welcome back to another episode of Talking Spit. For this month of February, it is everybody knows it's Black History Month. So all episodes for this month is going to be based off of African Americans, what they have done for society, past and present. And without further to without further ado, our new um guest, Mr. Evans, um, would you like to introduce yourself?
1: How are you doing guys? Uh, my name is uh Samuel Evans. I'm a Philadelphia native. Um, Grew up in North Philly, Um, went to college um, in Boston, played basketball, got my bachelor's and my master's there, Um, came back to Philly. I've been educated here for the past 10 years. Now I'm an assistant principal um, at Pincrest High School for the Rose Tree Media School District. And about two years ago, I went back to school. I went to Penn and I got my second master's. Um, and school leadership, and uh, was certified to be a principal in the state of Pennsylvania. Um, so, um, you know, I'm a lifelong educator. Um, I still play basketball from time to time, um, but, you know, I'm, I'm living a dream. We um, love them. Yeah. Keep them in the loop. Kim, you guys stay in touch with Mr. Evans. We love the hoop.
2: Yeah.
1: So, um, I, I'll tell you, like I tell all my students, you'll never beat me in a game of basketball. So, um, oh. He must don't, not don't, know that. don't don't try to challenge <laughs> me. <laughs> he must know
0: I'm I'm 5'10. I punch a I punch a pack. It's cool. It's cool. <laughs> pack a punch
2: with me. That's um, good.
1: But uh I appreciate you guys from having me on in your show. I've been looking forward to, you know, joining the show. I'm always interested in supporting students, supporting student voice. Um Kim could tell you the time that I uh worked at Crystal Ray and supported the students there. I was all about student voice. Um, Cause I believe you guys are, you guys are the key to changing everything around. So um, I always say that I became an educator to create producers and not consumers. So um, mm.
0: that's my focus. So um, first question, like you mentioned earlier, not too long ago that you actually did work at Crystal Ray as an educator at one point, and. When we were supposed to do the episode, I had a set of questions for you, but uh-huh. being as it still um, falls into this month. I wanted to ask about the diversity at Crystal Ray because you guys weren't always in North Philly. And when you guys moved there, I went to Crystal Ray a couple of times and I was just like, like my jaw dropped because I didn't know the inside. Of it. it was just so nice and the scenery yeah. and, and yeah. even the staff, it was definitely really colorful. So uh, um, what's the diversity like inside the school? like from well, your perspective. From my perspective,
1: and you know, I, I won't just say with Chris Ray, I'll just say like the layout of a lot of schools um, in the Philly area, um, there are schools that are predominantly black and brown in certain zip codes and mm-hmm. the staff is predominantly, you know, white with a few, you know, sprinkles of a people of color, a staff of color. Um, and sometimes the, those staff of color they are in those stereotypical positions like a gym teacher, um, a disciplinarian or a security guard. And very very often, every 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 now and then you will have a you know a, a teacher who teach a, a content area. Um, I had to, uh, oh my best friend. But I was about
3: to say I was just gonna say so with you being a, like in that field and being an educator, do you feel as though that uh, like it's better because you have that like the hands-on type of reach to talk to the students, or like do you feel as though everybody think everybody every impact is the same from like from a janitor to the security guard to like whatever?
1: I, I think every impact could be the same, can be the same, but I think it also boils down to how you connect with kids. Um, and I think a lot of the work starts with us, regardless of how you look and thinking about, you know, your upbringing, um, where you come from and just shedding those biases and those barriers and say, you know what, I'm going to meet kids where they're at. Um, I'm going to learn about their, their culture. I'm going to learn about their upbringing. I'm going to make sure this space is relevant to them, culturally re- relevant to them. And, you know, that takes a, that takes a, a strong person to want to do that work. Um, and I often say, just because I, I'm black, don't think I can can connect with black kids. Right? Because oftentimes they put black men in this box, and they think we're like monoliths. Um, you know, there are black men who come from suburbs, who come from middle class homes. Not all black men come from poverty. So their their lane and their way of connecting with kids is is totally different. It just so happened I, I was I'm the type of educated that yes, I grew up in North Philly. Um, I grew up in poverty, you know, I was, I was a student who got kicked out of multiple schools and, you know, sent the placement. So yeah, I have that avenue of connecting with, with troubled students, but I also have that avenue of connecting with students who, who don't walk that troubled path. And that's just me, you know, just being aware of like who students are. And just because a kid looks black, that doesn't mean they, they are black because, you got to think about there are kids who are Jamaican, there are kids who are Trinidadian, um, and and that means something to them, you know, and, and and they and a lot of them don't, you know, identify as Black American, you know, they identify with their their nationality and their
2: ethnicity. Um, I had a question for you. So,
4: so you said you grew up in North Philly. When you were younger, um, did you go to like just straight public school? I went to public school. Um, I went to Letlow.
1: Um, I went to Pentreedy, Pentreedy Middle School. I got kicked out of Pentreedy Middle School. Mm-hmm. I went to Daniel Boone. It was like the only disciplinary school in Philadelphia at the time. Um, after Daniel Boone, I got I went to Jones Middle School, but I got kicked out of there. I was like in Jones for like a week, like two weeks tops, and it was oh, like, man. yeah, we can't have you here. And I went back <laughs> cool. to Daniel Boone until high school, and when I left high school. The principal, his name was Mr. James. He was like, yo, you can't come back here. So, you know, like, we're not gonna let you come back here. And um, I was in Franklin for about a year. You know, I was gonna play basketball there. My uncle played there in the 80s. And then, you know, I I just got into some trouble and I got kicked out of Benjamin Franklin and I got sent to placement. Um, And, you know, I went to a couple of placement schools and came back to Philadelphia, was on probation. And I went to Kensington High School. Um, and then from there, you know, opportunity, not someone saw me at a basketball tournament. They saw some potential in me. Um, and you know, I had the opportunity to go to prep school in Connecticut and, you know, it was a life changing, um, opportunity because if it wasn't for that, I don't know where I would be because I didn't have no opportunities when I got out of placement. I ran out of eligibility, so I couldn't play basketball. Um, so, you know, you know, I was just thankful that, you know, someone saw something in me and they took a chance on me. And I often tell students, you know, it's not about how smart you are. Um, everybody in the room is smart at the end of the day it's about how, how, how can you connect with people? How can you foster relationships? Um, how can you, um, navigate a space and, and, and and show people who you are beyond your intelligence. And and that's when soft skills, soft skills come into play. Um, so, you know, I was just thankful that, you know, somebody took a chance on this raw kid who was still, you know, rough around the, the edges, had a lot of growing and maturing to do, but they said, yo, let's take a chance on this kid and give him my an opportunity. And, you know, that turned into me going to college, um, playing basketball in college, um, that turned into me getting a you know a, a advanced degree, a master's degree, and you know, and I just came to my realization that you know playing basketball because I wanted to play professionally in Europe. I didn't have any dreams of playing in the NBA. I just wanted to play in Europe because of my uncles, you know, who played ball and they traveled the world. And I was like, I want that same thing too, but you know, I had a major uh, injury. I tore my ACL, and uh, you know that's when perspective came, and I was like, you know, my backup plan, and I was just thinking about my experiences growing up, and um, you know, I decided to become, you know, edu- an educator. You know, I was a history teacher and uh, assistant principal. That was my uh, principal. That was my first job out of college. Um, I was teaching history to juvenile students from uh, Baltimore, DC, different places all throughout PA philly um in virginia and um it was a great experience
3: but well me personally i believe that everybody is just a sum total of their life experiences so do you mm-hmm. feel as though that you know like everything that that you went through like from your childhood stages to adolescence and stuff like that do you feel as though that is really what like helped you get to where you are now and then with that being said do you was there ever a time where you felt as though like you, you like man this is too hard or like or you felt as like though you were giving up on yourself and never, like, yeah, something like that. I mean, I, I think it boils down to, I think
1: it boils down to, I, I learned this, you know, I learned this in college, my first year in college. um, Like three of my friends were murdered. My nephew died and like my house burned down. So like my family was on poor, my family was poor and I was like living in college. And, um, uh, you know, my coach said to me, he said, look, when you're in between the lines, nothing else matters, you know, but you and your teammates, and this is the place where you just leave it all on the floor. Um, And I didn't understand what he meant by that. Like, it was like so simple. And I'm just like, well, I do that all the time. But he was pushing me to think about like life and the stuff that we carry around. And though I was going through all those things, I could have decided to leave school and come home and I would have been a liability. I would have been another mouth to feed for my family. Um, Though I could have decided to come home and, you know, be consumed by the gun violence that sold, that took my friend's lives. And eventually it probably would have happened to me. But, um, you know, I decided to stay in school. So I think, To a certain extent, when we are in situations, it takes us being accountable for how we react, how we respond, how we feel and how we think. And then two, like taking the natural steps to rise up above it and then like ask for help or, you know, I guess I mean, a part of I don't want to say it's luck, but also just making sure you're around people who see who you are. See who you really are Um, because I'm just a firm believer. It's not, it's not about where you're from. It's about where you're going and who you know. And if you know you want to go a place and you want to connect with people, you know, it starts with you doing that work first. Um, And, and, and when I say it starts with you doing that work first, not focusing on the things that impede you because you ain't got no control over that but focusing on the things that you can control. I can control what I think. I can control how I feel and I can control how I react to things. Um, and, I, and I just learned like, just always trying to stay in tune with those things and be focused on those things so I can continue to grow and become a better person. Like even now in this, in this phase of my life, just trying to become a better husband, a better father, uh, a better educator. And, and and making sure that my habits speaks to those wants and those needs now that, you know, I'm not in a situation where I have a, a bunch of things controlling my destiny, like living in the inner city, like, you know, dealing with issues of gun violence and, and, and all those things that, that plague people who look like me. Um, and just trying to be, you know, a bridge for kids in my community, and 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 stay connected to my community, um, to help people out. Um, I hope that answers your question.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was just like, it just like just having someone else, you know, like from like where I'm from and stuff. Well, where all of us are from, and going through things that we might go through or we we might have been already went through. It's just good to see that there's always, uh, there's never a circumstance where you can't come out on top, where yeah. you can't prevail as long as you believe in yourself. And I think that's the first
1: step, believing in yourself. And then the next step is like, talk about it. Um, especially in our community, we don't talk about a lot of stuff. Yeah, I grew up as a kid internalizing a lot of things, right? right. And because I, I had that habit in me, it, it impacted me in a lot of ways, like even in this part of my life. So I'm I'm coming to a better space where I'm like in tune with my own mental health, and and meditating and and just being more responsive to me, and like learning how to like talk about stuff, talk about stuff that affects me, talk about stuff that affects me as a black man, talking about how like moments of racism impacts have impacted me, um, and just all those things that that impacts us in this world simply because of how we look. And, and and being candid about it and, and and being honest about it and not internalizing it because the the more we internalize things, it impacts our health. Um and impacts us from having lifelong relationships. Um and it just impacts our growth.
4: Um I don't know if you already do this or not, but from like hearing your story, I feel like you should talk to more like, public school kids that uh, kind of grew up in public school. Because when I first started going to school, I grew up in uh, public school. So I know how public school is and, like, how it affects people and how they grow up and their mentality. And then I'll end up going to Catholic school. So my mentality changed and, like, got mm-hmm. a different view on things.
2: Yeah.
4: And I feel like your story will, like, help a lot of, like, public like, kids that grew up in public school and, like, in poverty and stuff like that get, like, a better understanding of what their life possibly could be just by changing their mindset of adherence, like stuff that comes from you.
1: I, you know, I, I mean, I mean, Rose can tell you I, I Kim can tell you this. I, I've i worked, you know, in public schools, charter schools, turnaround schools, schools that was labeled persistently dangerous for like since 2009. So, you know, I've crossed paths with a lot of kids um, and families, you know, and, Northeast, West Philly, South Philly, North Philly, Northwest Philly. Um, so, I'm I'm always trying to find ways to like stay connected to to kids, and not not necessarily be a symbol. I don't want to be nobody's symbol, but just be um, like a surrogate in a sense to say like, hey, whatever you're dealing with and you're going through, there's always a way for you to like deal with it, overcome it, address it. And, you know, it starts with you by taking these actions. So just like guiding kids and helping kids like along the way. Because I always tell kids like, look, I can't tell you what to do. Just like the people who was in my life when I was coming up couldn't tell me what to do. All right. But what they did tell me was like, Sam, make sure you're accountable for everything you do, whether it's good or bad. And if you're not where you wanna be, live with that because of the choices and the habits that you're making. Um, so, you know, it, it, it's it's just that piece and, and, and always just having those moments connecting with kids. And I still do it now with a lot of my former students, um, current students, you know, across the board.
0: Um. You are well, yeah, good good question, guys. Um in Kim's eyes and um even before talking to us before the recording and when you started talking about um building our brand and having a reason to do certain things, the question the question I'm really about to ask is who was your um your role model? Because like you said, in and out, you're you're you you're beginning of your life, you were in and out of places, you know. Mm-hmm. Damn near on your knees, like where? What do I do? You know what I'm saying? And as a kid, that that's scary as hell.
2: Yeah,
0: but there's no, there's no guidance. But you know, even when there's darkness, there's light, and that's when you took your chance and your opportunity to um build from there and be where you are today. So, in the midst of your journey, who can you who can you like you know look up to? Yeah, um, you know.
1: It's weird that I'ma say this, like, even though my father wasn't active in my life, um, I understood that, you know, he was dealing with the things that he was dealing with. And, you know, I learned a lot from him simply because he taught me what not to be. And even though I still struggled with that in 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 many parts of my life, um, I still recognize that I'm growing. Um, but, you know, as a kid, I think I think there were there were two people who played the a uh, pivotal role a pivotal a pivotal role in like shaping me and getting me to like realize my potential um uh, the first person was my my uncle uh Billy who you know played basketball um at Benjamin Franklin he went he played division 1 basketball he was an all-american and he played in pros and the next one was this guy named uh, Marcus Allen um Right now, he's like the CEO of Big Brother's Big Sister. Um, but he got drafted by the Denver Nuggets.
2: Mm. Um,
1: you know, he's like a college All-American. But he came into my life at the right time because, like, I was at I was at the crossroads during that time. I was at, like, a crossroad during that time. And, um, you know, potentially I could have possibly been the person, like, looking at the barrel of a gun or, like, being on the other side of it, making someone look at her. Um, and, uh, you know, he just came at an a important time in my life where like, you know, he really gave me insight on who I could be. And, you know, allow me to like grow through my mistakes, but also was like, just there and honest with me. Um, and he never gave up on me even when I did make mistakes. so. Um, and and he's still my mentor to this day. You know what I mean? I still call him my mentor, but at times he's like, "Yo, we're friends now. You're a grown man." You know what I mean? But he recognizes he recognizes you know the impact that he had on my life because he came into my life when he was when I was 15 years old. Um, so those are two people um, that you know I hold close to my heart because you know they just was there at the right times. Um, to really, like, help guide me um, and, and, you know, through their experiences. And, like, the ob- the obvious connector was basketball because right. you know, I wanted to play basketball. Um, but beyond that, just learning that I could be more than a basketball player. Um, and, and even sh- struggling with that in the second part of my, my, my life, you know, in, in my career you know, trying to break through that glass ceiling and show people that I'm more than a disciplinary and I'm more than this, like, former athlete. Um, and I can connect with kids in
3: other ways besides that. Yeah, and then to go off of what you were saying, I know it's not a question, but I just basically want to commend you on showing, like, going through what you're going through and then get reaching to the point where you are you now because in this, in the lifetime that we are in now, kids look up to like basketball players and rappers and athletes and stuff like that. But they don't see the the people that are like you that been through the same, that went on their journey, their life's journey, and then reached to the point where they feel as though that they made an impact and not just, you know, the people close to them. They reached out and made an impact in multiple people's lives that might have been that specific turn point. Like you said, the crossroads that was in your life, that might've been that specific turning point that that they reached. And it was like, it it helped somebody out. So I just basically want to commend you on that and say like, it's great to see like somebody who been through everything that you've been through and reached the point where you- like. I'll
1: say this, I'm still growing. Um, I'm not done yet. Um, (laughs) You know, uh, often say, you know, my mistakes as a kid and my mistakes as a man, my flaws as a man, um, they're not the totality of who I am um, because every day, you know, I continue to involve and, and, and find myself and reflect and, and, and think about, you know, the things that I can always do differently and, and grow in the areas of my life I can grow in and get better. in. so, you know, the, the, the jury is still deliberating, you know what I mean? So I, I learned like, Never
2: be complacent and content with like, oh, I made it here, I'm good. Like, there's more
1: I can become and there's more I can be, um, and you know that's just the the type of mindset um, that we gotta we gotta like strive for, um, despite circumstances. And sometimes we can't control those circumstances. Um, and we just got to continue to like push through and focus on the things that we can focus on, uh, because if we spend our life focusing on those things that we got no control over. It is going to, it's going gonna, it's gonna to destroy us. You know what I mean? So, um, that's, that's just what I believe, you know, in terms of like, as we look at our individual life, um, and I'm not even talking to and. And that's not like, that's just one area, you know? When you get into the areas of like, how do I combat and talk about like my blackness or my identity as a black man, or like dealing with systemic racism or dealing with the things that impacts me on those levels. Like that's a whole different
2: conversation. You know what I mean?
0: Um, So. Um, before we get into the next question, I feel like what we talked about these on um, these past these last two questions that just been answered and asked, I feel like are huge because I think mental state is key at a young age and even going into our future because that's very important. but the people we look up to as well a lot of times at a young age we look up to people we see on t v and stuff like that that we don't really. We don't really we don't know the real them. Yeah. What, what's was behind the scenes. And I feel like from 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 that age to now, I don't want to say I was looking up to the wrong people, but there are people in my life that want the best for me that we don't think about on a daily basis, you know? Yeah. That teacher or that principal that got you out of detention because he's yeah. seen something. That coach that yeah. put you to the side and took you out of that game because he's seen something in you. And like you said before, about your coach telling you that a lesson that was more than basketball. Everyone, yeah. everyone everyone, tries to put a label on themselves as this one thing. And as yeah. you said, shown, you're more than just what people see you as. Yeah. We've said, and we everyone's mentioned this, at least I have as well, in previous episodes on live. We're more than just what we you know, are. Like we're more than just a pocket. Like we do, we have lives outside of this. You're more than just a basketball player. You're a husband. Your father, your educator, your, and it's inspirational. And it's the fact that when you only get looked at as this one thing, that's what people define you as. Like yeah. just because you're a comedian doesn't mean outside of that you're all about you're all funny business. That's not what yeah. it is. That you
1: know, that I, was part. Of, that was part of the reason why um, you know I was extremely conflicted, like going into my eleventh year as an educator, <laughs> because like. I was like, man, for me to grow and become the type of educator that I want to become, I'm gonna to have to leave the inner city. No. I'm gonna to have to like go to the suburbs. And it was a huge struggle, and my wife can tell you, like, you know, we had conversations about it and and everything. And, you know, I was ready to do the whole dog and pony show of like finding another inner city school to work at trying to create change, trying to overcome the labels and then go through the hardship of like just running into that brick wall. And um, I was dealing with that, like for like three years in a row, um, three to four years in a row. And, you know, I just like took that jump. And, um, you know, even though I miss working in that space because I miss the kids and I miss the connections with the community. It's just the, what I was dealing with, you know was just compromising my development and it just wasn't worth it. And um, the one thing that I've recognized since being you know, in a suburban school, like those relationships that I established with kids and families in the community is still there. right? Uh, And now I can work with them on my own terms and not you know, deal with the things that I was dealing with that was impacting all the other areas of my life and um, really making me like hate education to a certain point because like, I just wanted to be more than like the six foot six black man that goes to the class and gets the black boy who's acting up, you know? So, um, you know, and, and I think that that's, I think what I also learned from my wife was like just being confident in myself that I can do more, and like believing in like who you are, and like actually speaking up and say, "This is what I want," as we partner together as an organization, or this is what I want as I think about attending your institution, and like like standing firm on that, and 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 not cowering. and and not speaking soft and like just believing in in like what you want for your growth and your trajectory in life and you know like the chips may fall where they may but at least you spoke up and at least you're not compromising you know your growth or your development for something that's just not going to benefit because eventually somebody's going to see your potential right Um, and I'm I'm in a place where like
4: people recognize that and people see that. Go ahead, Shiz, you something to So, like, since, like, how long have you been with your wife? Like, because I know you've been going through a whole bunch of stuff with the teaching and everything else. So how long? We, have you, like,
1: we've been, been married been for like six years. Five years.
4: Okay. Five years. five years. Five years. She just corrected me.
1: Five years. <laughs> oh, We're going on know. six years. I got you. But we've so been, you- we've been married for five years and we've been together for seven years.
4: Oh, okay, right. that's great. Yeah. So since um you've been with your wife, do you think she's changed you a lot on the way that you might like teach or interact with others, like kids and stuff like that?
1: Oh she changed she's changed me in many ways. Um she's helped me recognize a lot of things. Um, and in, in my life, even <laughs> even today, you know, like I said, I'm still growing. Like I don't got it all figured out.
2: Right. Um
1: and, you know, though at times I can be extremely stubborn. Um, but in my moments, a moment when I'm reflecting, I recognize like, you know, here's a person who has my best interests at hand, here's a person who cares about me and loves me wholeheartedly. Um, and you know, she wouldn't tell me anything wrong. So, um, uh, you know, it's just one of those things where like I'm constantly
2: growing and involving, um, and, uh, just being more reflective in the things I say and do
0: i think very important i feel like you should definitely have a certain people you you know have in your circle because there's people out there who want to ride that wave and there's people who actually want the better the better for you and with you you know and I, i'm happy you have that person in your life who consistently can tell you when you're wrong and you know Oh, Even does <laughs> it with the consequence of stubbornness because girl, we males we know women are very yeah. underrated. They have they have they have the power to let you know, and they don't hold their tongue either. No, the ones that care, the ones that care, do not hold their tongue. They will let you know. So that's that's good. That's good that you have that, and um, I hope y'all continue to grow. Yeah. I hope she used to help you. Shout out to her, if she can hear us. You're great. Uh, I appreciate <laughs> awesome.
2: I appreciate that. <laughs>
1: Um, yeah, we. I think I think we need to do a part two of this. Um, you guys got to like send me some questions
2: so of I course. can think about them beforehand. Oh, sure. And uh, yeah. you know, it's
1: good. It's good to ad live and and speak freely because you mm-hmm. know you get an authentic response. Um, but no, I, I definitely appreciate um, this time. It, it was good because you know, you know, often it like with COVID and everything in, in my school you know, like where are hybrid kids come in, you know, two days a week, but you don't really, I, I haven't really had the chance to connect with kids. And, and Kim will tell you like, I'm a student, like center educator and leader. So like kids are the pulse of a school of the building, you know, like, so you need to be connected with them. So it was good to connect with, you know, Students, you know, even though you guys not in like high school and you're in college now, but you know y'all still students, so it's Definitely. good to to have that face time um, with with students and and, and learn from them because I'm learning from you guys too. So I appreciate. It.
2: Do you have a
0: question? Oh. Sure. Okay. Um, and I I should have I let it I let the conversation flow because it was going real good, but. The question is, what do you think America's perspective is of African Americans today? Um, I know, I know. The, for me, that
1: question is twofold.
4: Yeah.
1: Um, I think I think on one hand, America looks totally different for someone who looks like me. All right. Um, and I often push people's thinking, even in my space, being you know a a, a black male leader, school leader, a black instructional leader, we're like. I need you guys to be cognizant of when we talk about America in this space, mm-hmm. that that looks totally different for me. Because when we look at like instances like the Capitol, like yeah. I don't care that the people were protesting. All right, protest. That's your right. But the moment when you introduce a noose or a Confederate flag into that protest, you let me know that I'm not a part, you don't want me to be a part of your America, like mm-hmm. that, that moment was about protecting your privilege, your whiteness, and, and and you know, who you are in terms of like the history of this country. Um, and I think on the other hand, you know, re- repeat your question again, because I, I have my thought, I wanna make sure I have it right it's America's perspective on African Americans today. And and I think on the other hand, there's a group of people who, you know, who, who have committed to a life of like anti-racism, to yeah. be anti-racist, to educate not only themselves, their children, their community, to be empathetic towards people who look like me, to raise their children around people who look like me, to make sure their children are being educated um, by people who look like me. And so, so that answer is twofold. And I think at the core of that, sometimes the second part of that gets lost because of like all the polarizing things that happen in our world and all the things that remind us that my black life don't matter. And I don't even got, and I don't have nothing to do, they don't have nothing to do with black on black violence. Yeah. I think, there are too many, I think at the bedrock of it, until we addressed it, when the founders created this country, they had an opportunity to address slavery. And their choice of not doing it, I don't think they recognize the generational message that they sent to the future. And in that moment, they pretty much said that, white lives matter more than black lives. And that whole concept has just, you know, malformed into something, you know, it, it just warped into something that, you know, in a sense is, is toxic because yeah. we see instances of like when two people commit the same crime, but they get different time. And the only common denominator is like that kid was black and that kid was white. Yeah. Um, or we see instances where like, a police officer who's black kills a white woman and a police officer who's white and kills a black woman gets no jail time and is, is set free and goes to work the next day. And then that police officer who kills that white woman gets sent to jail and that family gets paid money for her death, no. you know, so like those moments like, remind you about, like, the inception of this country. And I always tell people, like, I don't care how many Black people we put in positions of power or positions of authority, that don't change the foundation on which this country sits on. And until we address that lie, that, that warped lie, the malformation of that lie, meaning the systems, the laws, the language that's in the laws in our system, the intentional things that was done to impede the progress of, of people who look like me and brown people. Um, you know, that's how I feel about that question. Um, so we can never truly, like, get there. Like, we'll get there in pockets, but we won't mm-hmm. fully get there until we address that. And it's going to take a whole lot of people just like really committing to being anti-racist and really educating themselves um, to start to turn on, the, on the experiences of of, of people of color.
2: Yeah.
1: And like also like validating that too. And like hearing my experience and how I feel when a police officer is, is following me.
2: Yeah.
1: And hearing my experiences and, and how I feel when... I'm at a table full of white people. Like I have access to that table, but I don't belong to at that table.
2: Okay.
1: And those two totally, those things are two totally different. They're they're just different. Like you, know? you can belong, you can you can have access to something, but they you not belong. belong you know what I mean? So, um, right. you know, I think once we start having courageous conversations about those things, and really taking the time to, to validate people's experiences, um, and then, you know, just working together, mm-hmm. we can, you know, really disrupt the system and, and turn it on on, on its head. Um, so, but, you know, I always say let's focus on humanity first. Let's be human beings first. I don't want to be American first. I want to be a human being first. Because mm. when we our human beings first, the innate qualities that we have as human beings they tend to come out as opposed to when I say I'm an American first, my party right. comes up the side that I'm on comes out the laws that I believe in come up right. as opposed to like no, a black woman was laying in her bed and she was shot dead or that's a that's murder, you know what I mean so right.
2: um. You know, so I think that's, that's the space we need to get to. Um,
0: unfortunately that is all the time we have today. Um, Mr. Thank you so much for joining us Definitely today.
2: Thank you, I Appreciate yeah. you being here. Thank you God
0: for having
1: me. I appreciate it. It was a good way to like, in my day, now I go go like
0: hang out and spend some time with family, <laughs> but, um, yeah. no, thank you so much not at all um here at talk and spit we're a community we're a family we push the message out um and we want to we want to improve society today whether they listen they watch just get the message out and um for the whole month of february that's just the plan honestly just to do it even more often and um to touch the hearts and the people that have done things for us that we don't conceal say thank you to every day and for the people who are here and who who weren't here that um paved the way in the foundation in their own way. So I'm Zay.
2: It's been teased with Sean, Kim, and Mr. Evans. This has been Talking Spit.